This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Today's episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network. It's live 24-7 and costs you nothing. That's right. It's sports coverage that's always on and always free. Always. I love how easy to use and accessible it is, unlike some of the other streaming services out there. CBS Sports HQ is coverage that is always focused on the game. Tons of highlights, breaking news as it happens, fantasy advice, and something we care deeply about here. Gambling picks and analysis to get that extra edge. I know when I turn on CBS Sports HQ, I'll see the tips and trends I need to win my bets. And don't forget, you can access all this great coverage completely free. Not free for a week, not free for a month, not free with some special cable package. It's totally, completely free for everybody. You don't even need a login. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, or any other connected devices at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at the great price of completely free. You don't need to log in. You don't need to sign up. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. Today, we are going to be talking with Mike DeSalt of Patriots.com, longtime Patriots blogger who now covers the team from the inside, knows the Patriots as well as anybody out there, a longtime friend of the site and pod. We go in-depth on the now-intriguing Jets-Patriots Monday night football matchup. Uh, Talk about the state of the Patriots roster, how the Jets could attack them, how the Patriots will try to attack the Jets, who to watch for on the injury side for New England, and what Patriot fans are still somehow finding a way to complain about despite winning the Super Bowl last year and being 6-0. As it stands right now, this is a nine-point half spread, uh, a game that I think is going to be close. I will talk about it a little more with Mike, but I think the Jets got a real chance in this one, and it will be tight when they have Darnold back. Uh, they have some intriguing pieces on offense. It's what we talked about all the preseason. And if Darnold's going to play like he played against Dallas, the Jets are going to be competitive, uh, even if it is against New England. And again, I think one thing to remember, the Jets, while they've gotten killed up in Gillette recently, they've played New England well in MetLife. Uh, they hung around last year. Uh, two years ago, they lost by five in the Austin Safari and Jenkins game. They lost by one a few years ago. They beat them in 2015. They beat them in 2013. Uh, these have all generally been one-possession games, and right now that spread uh, is up over one possession. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it ends up coming coming down a little bit, uh, even though it's unlikely we're going to get C.J. Mosley or Chris Herndon in this game, which is definitely a bummer. But look, I mean, the reality is is that Injuries are going to be part of this season for the Jets. It's something that every team is going to have to deal with. Now, it was at an absurd level when they didn't have Darnold, but now with Darnold back, uh, we're going to count on them to be competitive and go out there and have an opportunity to have a season-changing win, I think is the best way to put it. The reality is, is that if the Jets could find a way to win this game, which would be a big upset, they are basically on the pace that I think most of us expected them to be through the first six games. I know I picked the Jets to be two and four through six. I think it was a pretty common prediction among most people. So they win this game. They make up the Buffalo game that they blew. They get themselves an AFC win. They get themselves an AFC East win. And then you look at their upcoming games, Jacksonville, Miami, Giants, Washington. 
it's going to lay out well for them to make a run to get over 500 uh, and really get some momentum and excitement around the team that really can only come from beating New England, uh, who is obviously in a class of their own with how they performed in recent years. I think you go out, you play them tough, you lose. I think there's a way to lose this game where it's not devastating because, again, New England's nine-point favorites for a reason. Uh, I think it would be disappointing if they went out and really got beat up on uh, like some other teams New England has this year. And I, I don't think that's going to be the case, but that is really what I see as the most disappointing outcome. I think the problem for the Jets is that, you know, with the hole they put themselves in, even if they go out, play New England tough, cover and lose, you're 1-5 in five, and all five of your losses that came in the AFC, which is just a killer on the tiebreaker side, and it really leaves you with almost no margin for error the rest of the way, makes the Jacksonville game in Jacksonville the following week an absolute must-win if the Jets are going to play any type of remotely meaningful football in late November or December. Uh, so it just puts a lot more pressure on a game against Jacksonville that I think will be pretty tough. I think it's very winnable, and it's fair to make a case that with Darnold back, the Jets are better than Jacksonville, uh, but still a tough game playing down there against their defensive line. Uh, when it comes to New England, again, we'll dive into the matchup with Mike. We're going to talk for about 20 minutes or so. Monday Night Football, quick reminder, if you are trying to go out to that game, promo code Overtime for the Vivid Seat mobile app. You get 10% off your tickets if you are trying to buy your ticket through the Vivid Seat mobile app. Take advantage of that if you are looking to hit MetLife for Monday Night Football. Also want to give you guys a heads up that if you're in the Florida area and you're going to Jets Jags in a couple weeks, our friends from Game Day Tailgate Experience will have another pregame tailgate set up. They had one last year. They're running it back this year. All-you-can-eat buffet uh, open bar, uh, appearances from players, uh, different games and giveaways, things going on. We will share the link with more direct information. But again, that's game day tailgate experience uh, for Jets Jags if you're going to be down on the road following the team. And we are now joined by this week's guest, longtime friend of the podcast, Mike DeSalt, formerly of Pat's Propaganda, one of our favorite blogs that could is about the Patriots, if we are able to have favorite <laughs> blogs that are about the Patriots, but always love the work he did. And now works for the team, Patriots.com, officially official from the blog life to the NFL life. Mike, how's everything going? Oh, it's uh, it's going great. It's amazing, uh, as you said, to go from the blog life to actually working for the team and, you know, doing real media things. And, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it felt bizarre to used to have to, like, sneak film study and writing and that kind of stuff around my old job. And now it's like, no, no one cares. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So it's uh, it's been awesome. That's awesome stuff, man. And once again, your Patriots are off to quite a start. Uh, 6-0, and I would say the consensus best team in the NFL have not really played – a competitive game this year, except for the game up in Buffalo, uh, where they right. beat the ever-living crap out of Josh Allen and were able to hold on to a 16-10 <laughs> win. Somehow, yes. and I know this because my life is filled with them, Patriot fans still find a way to be unhappy despite winning the Super Bowl every year <laughs> and being 6-0. and What Indeed. are the most common complaints you are hearing right now about the team? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think the most common complaint is just that the offense isn't isn't really that good. And I mean, I think that there is, uh, you know, some truth to that. I mean, of course, you know, not being very good means uh, they're, you know, eighth in DVOA instead of first or second. But um, I, I do think that this is a unique Patriots team. And, and I do think that, you know, there are reasons to think that, that, you know, this offense isn't quite what it was in the past. And I mean, what I've kind of been 
beating since the summer and, and has kind of come to fruition is, you know, you lose Rob Gronkowski, you lose Dwayne Allen, and you lose Trent Brown. And then, you know, in season, you you lose James Devlin. And, and, and those four guys, I thought, were really kind of the keys to the offense last year, at least, you know, late when they kind of became a running offense and were really able to, to become balanced. But um, they just haven't been able to, you know, really run the ball with any consistency. The passing game's kind of been, uh, you know, up and down. And, you know, they certainly have their, their occasional drives. But, um, you know, I, I think that the complaints are, are accurate. And, I mean, of course, then the other part of the equation is that all of a sudden the defense is playing at a crazy historic level. So that's kind of balancing it out a little bit. When you look at how you think New England is going to attack this Jets defense coming into this week, the defense has played pretty well. Uh, you know, credit to Greg Williams. He's been better mm-hmm. than I expected. And they, they've performed despite a less, less than ideal situations and playing without C.J. Mosley uh, really for the entire season. And it's unlikely he's going to play Monday night. How do you think, based on what you saw earlier in the year now and based on who's available for them? I know there's some rumblings that Nikhil Harry could be back. How do you think they're going to go after attacking this Jets defense? Yeah, well, it's a it's a great question because you are seeing an offense kind of going through some transition right now, and we see it. You know, Josh Gordon. I mean, he he got hurt against the Giants the other night. I mean, I thought he tore his ACL. I, mean, I thought he was out for the year. Somehow he was back riding a bike. Uh, you know, later in the game, and I mean, we don't see an injury injury report till tomorrow. He he has been in the locker room, but you know, limping. So you know, you might be without Josh Gordon. And I mean, you're looking at going down the line in the offense against the Giants. They had basically one personnel pack package that they ran the whole second half because that's all that they had left so how does that translate now they brought back ben watson yesterday they they signed uh, an old jet uh eric tomlinson uh you know these these are the oh, new tight eric ends tomlinson, our old favorite <laughs> an, old, an old big old blocking tight end um so there's some questions i mean harry harry has started practicing but he's out at least another two weeks while uh you know he gets up to speed so you know you definitely won't see him but you know given what they have if gordon can't go uh, they're going to be really shorthanded. And, you know, they're, they're, you're talking about Jets. Take away Julian Edelman. Take away Julian Edelman and James White, and and and, and they struggle. Uh, there's, you know, undrafted rookies playing in other spots. Gunnar Olszewski, you know, got thrust into action. So I think right now it's like, oh, how, does the Patriot, how do the Patriots attack the Jets? It's how, how do the Patriots put together a lineup right now? You know, that that's my bigger question. And, you know, they haven't been able to get Sony Michelle going all year. Uh, Rex Burkhead's been out of the lineup. He's been hurt a little bit. So uh, I think it's going to be basically, who do we have healthy? And we're going to try our best with those guys. But I think that there's plenty of reasons for Jets fans to think you're going to come in and, and not see the same old Patriots offense that, you know, is usually rolling hot and, you know, has a bunch of different options. They, they've still got a lot to figure out. Do you, this seems to happen every single year and, Yet he always finishes strong, and you know I saw people complaining about his performance against the Giants, and then I checked and it looked like he was well over 300 yards. How has Brady looked to you so far this year um, in terms of just – of a guy who's well over 40 still out there playing at a generally high level? What have you thought of his performance through six games so far? Yeah, I mean, I haven't – you know, for him specifically, I can't say that, oh, I've seen drop-off. I mean, he still looks like the same guy. I think – the difference is this year is that you just, other than Edelman, you don't have anyone who can really get open quick. And and that's always kind of been their bread and butter. You know, it's the Amendolas, it's the Welkers, it's the Edelmans, uh, you know, the Troy Browns, if you want to go all the way back to there. But that's always kind of what he does best. He reads the defense and he knows right where to go to the ball. The later it gets in a down, when he's got to, you know, 
force things downfield, uh, it's not really his strength. And so, you know, we're seeing a lot of him, you know, throwing it away or, you know, because he's not the kind of guy that, that will hesitate to to chuck it if he doesn't have anything. He's not going to force things and make a mistake, which I know is, you know, something that young quarterbacks have to learn. Um, but, you know, in terms of his overall skill, he's still making the throws. There's no, like, notable, noticeable loss in velocity it's just that i don't think he's got really the guys that can get open the way he wants and at times i think that translates into you know some frustration there's been a lot of you know questions hey how are the how are the young guys doing how are the young guys doing and you know the response has always kind of been they're working hard you know it's like well that's not much of a ringing endorsement there so i still think he's he's fine it's just a question of after white and edelman who can get the job done especially now if gordon's hurt Going over to the defense, which is probably the best Patriots defense we've seen, I don't know, and you tell me, 5, 10, 15 years, at least through this early portion of the season. Yes. What has made them so good, and why have they been so difficult uh, to move the football against, and why have they been creating so many points for themselves? Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, and I've always been a big defense guy, you know, and I, I really started blogging kind of at the tail end of the last, uh, you know, the, the first dynasty run there when, you know, you had the Brewskis and the Vrabels and the McGinnis. And, uh, you know, since then, you just, you haven't had these great defenses that can control a, a game. And, you know, all of a sudden, here they are. I mean, and, and I think it's, it's a number of factors. Um, you know, first of all, on each level, they've got just great depth. And they, I mean, they're playing 20 guys on defense consistently. Um, you know, Michael Bennett is now, uh, I mean, he's, he's been suspended for a week, but, you know, he's had a significant drop in playing time. And, you know, even he, when he's in there, he's productive. It's not like he's playing bad. I think they're just asking him to do things that, you know, he's not especially, uh, you know, capable or used to doing. But uh, I, I would say the biggest key, though, is just the return to having three linebackers that can all play three downs and, you know, bringing back Jamie Collins, who it's like, Oh my God, why did, why did we ever get rid of this guy? I mean, he is just, you know, I'm not sure he's quite defensive player of the year kind of candidate, but I mean, he's playing at that level and couple him with Kyle Van Noy and and Dante Hightower, the three guys. I mean, it's like each game they take turns, just wrecking teams, making, you know, huge plays on the ball, forcing turnovers. Um, You know, that, that's kind of, I think what, is unique and new about this version of the defense. Um, and then you have Stefan Gilmore, who is playing, you know, a la Daryl Rivas back in the day. I mean, just shut down corner. He's so much fun to watch. Just how smooth he is. The play comes to him. He just always seems to know what spot to be in. And, and he's surrounded by, you know, four other cornerbacks that can all play man coverage. And, you know, when you add that in with experienced trio of safeties that, you know, won three Super Bowls together that, you know, it, it, there was always like in the past, it seemed like the defense would like always start at zero again. And I'd always say, why are we starting at zero? Like it's the same guys, like just pick up and keep playing. You know, why do we have to go back to square one? And this has really felt like the first time they haven't had to go back to square one. They kind of picked it up. They're all playing in sync. And and on all three levels, they're just really playing well. Uh, Two more guys I'll just point out are are Adam Butler and and Danny Shelton. You know, two guys were on the team last year but have just taken their games to a new level this year. And I think that, you know, has made it even easier for the linebackers to get around and make plays. Is there any players, either offensively or defensively, that – I don't know, the common Jet fan might not be too familiar with who you think could have a particularly big impact in this game or who will end up seeing a lot of just because of some of the injuries and some of the roster changes the team has made. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, the guy to kind of watch probably might be Jacoby Myers, who's uh, an undrafted rookie. Um, And, and, you know, again, he's not, it's not like he's come in and taken the world by storm, but just based on the injuries, he's the guy that's 
been healthy and been able to stay out there and, you know, has been to every practice. And, you know, normally he's probably a, a fourth receiver on a team. But with Philip Dorsett, who, you know, he might be back. Dorsett, you know, might push, uh, push, him, put, push Myers back down the depth chart again. But he's one guy that I feel like Dorsett, Myers, those two guys are the ones that are going to have to make some plays because otherwise it's really – the same old suspects that you guys are used to, you know, James White, Julian Edelman. Uh, those are the guys that, you know, get the bulk of the targets and, you know, and the key downs are the ones making the plays and, you know, Michelle and, and Burkhead are, you know, they're trying to get the run game going, but without Devlin, the fullback, there's just not much going. So I would say definitely on, on the offensive side of the ball, Myers is one. I mean, I know defensively, most of the players are, are pretty well known, but I would say Adam Butler, who, uh, you know, is an, was an undrafted rookie in his third year. And, you know, of all the defensive lineman he's playing the most of anybody he's playing on you know rundowns he's playing as an interior rusher uh and he just has been consistently disruptive and is really starting to make a name for himself in these parts what after this type of start and looking at the remaining schedule for new england and i know they have some harder games upcoming they really haven't played I don't know. Buffalo's obviously been good this year, but I think the general assumption is that they've worked through the soft oh, yeah. part of their schedule. What is your expectation or sort of the general fan expectation of how many wins this team uh, is going to be capable of? Or is it kind of a moot point for you guys at this point where it's like, you know, what, we're just going to win the division and we'll be on to the divisional game and we'll take it from there? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think really at this point, I mean, I, I was really happy to see Houston beat Kansas City, not because I wanted Kansas City to lose, but just because I wanted more discussion of, of challengers in the AFC because, you know, really through the first few games, it was like it, none of this really matters. All that really matters is Kansas City. That's the only team, you know, that really matches up and that, you know, we have to worry about beating because otherwise it's, you know, there isn't too many too many other teams that can really challenge us and i think generally that that is you know true of you know everyone kind of thinks 12 wins of course now you're already at six are they are they really going to go you know six and four the rest of the way that 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 seems hard to hard to kind of imagine but at the same time i still think that you know this offense has has got a long way to go and you know they're they're getting so much benefit from their defense right now in terms of turnovers in terms of short fields uh you know just in terms of getting to run 70 snaps a game, you know, where it's, they keep getting the ball back. And even when they make mistakes, three and out, punt right back to them. You know, they, they've just got that kind of confidence. So I certainly think that there's the, a game, and, and I keep kind of comparing this team a little bit to, to 2007. It's just kind of a, a flip of it where, you know, during that season, it's like, God, no one can stop this offense. No one can stop this offense. But, you know, there were concerns about the defense of, you know, are they really that good? Are they just benefiting from the offense? So, you know, I kind of look to, all right, is there going to be a Super Bowl 42 version of a game where, you know, the defense gives up a couple scores, maybe they give up a special team score, and all of a sudden the offense has got to play, you know, catch up. And I'm not sure that right now they're, you know, capable of catching up, much less, you know, running all over a teams like they did last year. So uh, I, they're still very much a, a team kind of looking for their way. And, and as you said, the, the iron of the schedule really starts up now, you know, with, you know, I, I mean, I, I always think playing in, 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 you know, against the Jets on the road is always a tough game, no matter, you know, when the Patriots end up in the Super Bowl and the Jets don't even end up in the playoffs. They always, you know, these divisional road games are always weird and tough. And, you know, now then we have Baltimore and Cleveland and, and, and those teams, so uh, along with Kansas City. So, the, you know, we'll learn more about the team for sure down the road, but I definitely have questions about, you know, how well this offense is built for the long term. Yeah, these games at MetLife have ended up being pretty tight over the past six years. The Jets have basically gotten blown out every time they've been in Gillette, but 
They've beat New England twice in the past six years in MetLife. They lost by one point. They lost by five points. They lost by seven points. They've been relatively competitive games despite the Jets cycling through Geno Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Josh McCown. Obviously, yucks. Yuck, I know. (laughs) Obviously, the expectations with Sam Donald are going to be higher, particularly coming off last week where he was the AFC Offensive Player of the Week, threw for 330-plus yards in his return. How do you – I think the line right now is 9.5 or 10. How do you think the Jets match up with New England, and how do you think – what would be a smart way for them to prospectively attack them now that they have Donald back and resemble an NFL team again? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't envy the job. And, and, I mean, I, you know, I say that with all due respect to every quarterback. But, the, you know, these guys are playing well. I think the thing that, for me, I, I would like to see teams do more of is to use their backs – uh, catching the ball and you know forcing the Patriots linebackers instead of playing all these games where they're walking around and you know disguising what they're doing force those linebackers to cover and you know and not be able to play those games so I mean obviously with Bell you guys have a great weapon I know he, he wasn't quite you know overutilized last week but I think he's the kind of guy that you know could really give them problems I mean and, and traditionally that's always you know the Leon Washington's of the world those you know little receiving backs are always seem to be the ones that, that give the Patriots problems so you know they they match up well cornerback wise they've got good depth you know i can't sit here and say well just go after this cornerback because they've all been you know playing really good um so i think for me the game plan just starts with really trying to get it going with the short underneath stuff especially to the running backs and you know just take what's given to you because i think if you shorten the game and you don't give the patriots tons of offensive possessions that you're gonna have a real chance to you know if you can anyhow manage to get a lead on this team it's something they haven't really faced. I mean, they, I think they've been down briefly in one game, and that's it. If you, there's any way you can jump a, a lead and, you know, get a special team score, a defensive score, something like that, some kind of early score where you force the Patriots offense to kind of have to chase points a little bit, I'm not sure how they're going to respond. So I, I do think that this game is, is going to be tighter than, than a lot of people are going to expect it to be uh, just because I think, you know, the Patriots coming off a long break, 11 days off, they're going to have probably two new tight ends out there playing. Who knows if Josh Gordon? If Josh Gordon doesn't play. They don't even have an ex receiver. Uh, so I think take advantage of that. You know those offensive deficiencies and, and attack them that way. Who are the sort of game time decisions to watch out for from an injury standpoint? Who should we be looking for Monday during the day? Uh, yeah. In terms of an active and active, and what are you sort of expecting there? Definitely Gordon. I mean, he's at the top of the list. And, uh, you know, and he's been, you know, mildly disappointing as well. I mean, everybody, you know, kind of expects him to be the 2013 version. And we just don't see that explosion anymore. I mean, he's still a big guy. Um, he's still got strong hands, but, you know, you see a lot of slants go through his hands and, you know, he's just not the same kind of like, oh God, we got a game plan for this guy, but he's, he's really the only big outside receiver they have right now. So I think he's, and he's, you know, I mean, I saw him walk through the locker room Friday morning after the loss. And I mean, you can't imagine a human being walking more stiff or more slow. Um, so I, I would really keep an eye on him. Um, I think Philip Dorsett's going to be okay to go. Uh, he talked in the locker room yesterday. Usually that's a good sign. It was just kind of a minor hamstring thing. Not that he's any kind of a major threat, but again, it's just the trickle-down effect. And when you get down to Jacoby Myers and Gunnar Olszewski, two undrafted rookies, and you know Brady's got to lean on them, um, you know it, it makes it even more it, more difficult. But 
otherwise they, they are pretty healthy, especially on defense. You know, Patrick Chung has, has suffered a couple things, Dante Hightower, but I'd expect with the long break, they'll be ready to go. I, I, I just think the biggest key really is, uh, is, is Gordon and, and maybe a mix of Rex Burkhead who's missed the last couple games as well. Cause you know, Michelle just hasn't been effective and, and Burkhead might be a little bit more effective than, than he's been. All right, Mike, before we let you go, give us sort of the overview, the quick overview of how you ended up working for the Patriots. How did that happen? You were running a Patriots <laughs> blog for how many years? At least yeah. 10, 12 years yeah. longer? Yeah. Well, I started blogging just about the Patriots for, like, you know, various kind of blogs in 2007. Um, and then in 2010, I was like, I'm sick of, you know, writing for everybody else. I, you know, I've kind of taken a page out of your book. I'm like, I'm just going to write for myself and write my own Patriot stuff. And, and so started Pat's propaganda as, I mean, really it was just a Tumblr blog. Uh, so did that. Yeah. For 10 years, I was living in LA working in television 2017. We had some, some opportunities for my wife and myself to move back here, uh, and move back and, you know, I was basically blogging, freelance video work, you know, kind of just scrambling. And for a long time, there's been, uh, you know, four employees of, you know, Patriots.com that write the content. And they've been there forever. I mean, for as long as I can remember. And, and one of them, uh, I saw in a news report on, like, Friday that he was leaving. And I was like, oh, my God, like, who else in the world is, you know, meant for this job more than me to just, you know, work for the Patriots and do nothing but writing with the Patriots. So I pursued it, you know, emailed uh, Fred Kirsch, who's the, the boss here. And, you know, I had spoken with a couple of times over the years. And, um, you know, first thing they did was they brought me in for a two hour podcast. It just kind of threw me into the fire. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that went well and they brought me back and. Yeah, it was uh, it was just I mean crazy. I mean I'm still you know pinching myself that I come to work every day here in Gillette Stadium and you know being around the team now and you know it's just the, the funny part for me was you know getting to meet various employees of the Patriots and oh I was a big fan of yours as Pat's propaganda and oh we're so excited to have you, you know and it's like oh my God I didn't realize you know any of these people even knew who I was so uh, it, it's been a blast. I mean I'm just I'm you know so lucky and I mean I'm lucky I get to catch the tail end of Brady and Belichick because I mean really probably the most of my career here is going to be defined about what comes next <laughs> very true very true well that's awesome man uh happy for you over here at toj give us a final prediction for monday night uh well, i gotta pick the paths but i'm gonna say it's close i'm gonna say patriots 20 jets 17 i think it's fair i don't think i'm leaning towards the cover and a narrow pats win but i think it's going to be a really good competitive game and it should be fun on monday night mike DeSalle. so Patriots.com. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mike DeSalt19 is what it is now. No more the no more yeah. propaganda handle. No, <laughs> no, I parked the propaganda one. I got to go with my real name now. So, uh, yeah, 2019 has been a good year. So, Mike DeSalt19. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you for talking to us, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Actually, not really, but you know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> good luck know. with the work we the rest of the way, not the team. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Right. I'll talk to you soon.